Hello and welcome to the podcast edition of Scripps 5 Must Know Things, this time for the Business Week ending 9th September 2022. This is Ian Haydock. This time, a look ahead at potential oncology blockbuster approvals, strong data for Mirati's KRAS contender in colorectal cancer, Keytruder's architect reflects on its great success, Amgen's waiting game for chemocentrics, and a look at dynamics in China's sizzling immuno-oncology market. With help from Biomed Tracker, Scripps' Aisha Sharma took a look at five drug candidates in oncology poised to win a US thumbs-up next year. These novel assets, including three bispecific antibodies, could attract blockbuster figures, according to industry observers. One of three CD20, CD3 bispecific antibody candidates striving for a 2023 approval in late-stage diffuse large B-cell lymphoma, Genmab and partner Abvi's Epcoritumab is set to be filed in the EU later this year. The firms are also preparing for a US filing in large B-cell lymphoma. While CAR-T drugs such as Kite's Yescarta have recently won approval in DLBCL, Biometracker analysts noted bispecific assets boast off-the-shelf convenience and remove the need for lymphodepletion. The antibodies should also be associated with more limited and milder cases of cytokine release syndrome, which remains a significant burden for patients on CAR-T therapies. Epcaritumab's top-line pivotal data, released in April, suggests it could have the edge over its rivals. The candidate achieved a 63.1% overall response rate in 157 DLBCL patients who had received two prior lines of therapy at a median follow-up of 10.7 months. Also under preparation for a US filing this year, Roche's glofetamab is differentiated from other CD20, CD3 antibodies thanks to two CD20 binding domains. The drug candidate has already been submitted to the European Medicines Agency, but Biomed Tracker analysts noted the dual domain means glofetamab is larger than its rivals and requires intravenous administration over two to four hours, unlike epicaritamab's more convenient subcutaneous route, although Roche is planning to switch to an SC formulation. The final CD20, CD3 contender set for a US filing this year, Odronextamab, is under development by Regeneron Pharmaceuticals and partner Xylab. The candidate is currently lagging behind its rivals with pivotal data yet to read out. The ELM-2 trial is set to enrol 512 patients with various kinds of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, including an advanced DLBCL cohort, and will measure the primary endpoint of ORR at 28 weeks. However, the biomed tracker analysts have projected a below-average likelihood of approval given stiff competition and the drug's third-in-class status. Other candidates covered in the article include Menorini's Elasistrant and Gamida's stem cell therapy, Omijubicel. Mirati Therapeutics' Adagrasib stands to reinforce its competitive positioning among KRAS G12C inhibitors, with new data showing the drug's efficacy in advanced colorectal cancer as a monotherapy and also in combination with Eli Lilly's EGFR inhibitor, Erbitax. Alaric Diamond writes that Mirati announced a late-breaker presentation of data on 7th September from the Phase 1-2 Crystal 1 trial at the European Society for Medical Oncology, or ESMO, meeting 
in patients in later lines of CRC treatment. The drug is also being tested in CRC in the registration-enabling Phase 2 cohort in the CRYSTAL-1 and the Phase 3 CRYSTAL-10 trials. We expect additional clarity from the FDA on the potential for an accelerated approval pathway in CRC later this year after we share the data presented at ESMO as supportive information, Mirati President Charles Baum told Scrip. The company is neck and neck with Amgen, the first firm to receive US FDA approval for a KRAS G12C inhibitor when its Lumacras won accelerated approval for KRAS G12C mutated advanced or metastatic non-small cell lung cancer in May 2021. But while Lumacras has the first-to-market advantage in NSCLC, it has struggled to keep up in CRC, showing relatively low efficacy as a single agent that Amgen has sought to boost with its own EGFR inhibitor, Vectibix. The ESMO analysis showed that among 43 evaluable patients on monotherapy, the objective response rate was 19% and the disease control rate was 86%. The median duration of response was 4.3 months and median progression-free survival was 5.6 months. Relative to the existing standard of care, preliminary data for adagrasib demonstrates a well-tolerated profile with robust sustained responses for patients with KRAS G12C mutated advanced colorectal cancer, both as a monotherapy and in combination with Herbitex, Bam said, noting KRAS G12C mutated patients have a worse prognosis than the overall CRC population. While it struggled to distinguish itself from Lumicras in NSCLC, Adagrasib has found more success in CLC, both in relation to its performance in NSCLC and compared with Lumicras. In data from the registration enabling Phase 2 NSCLC cohort of Crystal 1 presented at the ASCO meeting in June, Adagrasib showed good enough efficacy, including a slightly better ORR than Lumicras. But Lumicras showed a better DOR and PFS between the two drugs was comparable, raising questions about whether it could differentiate itself. As Adagrasib has played catch-up to Lumicras in NSCLC, at least to date, the reverse has been true for CRC. At the 2021 ESMO meeting, Amgen presented data from the Phase 1b2 codebreak trial of Lumicras and Vectibix in CRC, showing a 27% ORR among patients with two prior lines of therapy. That was far better than the 9.7% that Lumicras had shown in the disease as a monotherapy, but still well behind the 22% Adagrasib had produced as a monotherapy and 43% in combination with Herbitax among patients with two prior lines of therapy at the same conference. Staying with ESMO, Key Trudeau once again featured prominently at the Congress and Eric Rubin, who led the initial development of the anti-PD-1 immunotherapy marketed by Merck Co., was in Paris to hear how the game-changing treatment is continuing to dominate the headlines eight years after its first approval. Rubin, who's now Senior Vice President for Early Oncology Clinical Development at Merck Research Laboratories, joined the company in 2008. A couple of years later, he devised a plan to accelerate the development of Keytruder. Speaking to Scripps Kevin Grogan, the head of ESMO on the process, Rubin said, I feel very honoured to have helped in the development of something that's been so transformational for cancer patients. 
He noted that even in the earliest beginnings of the study, at the lowest doses of the drug, there were remarkable responses, initially in melanoma. Keytruder was also the first oncology drug to get the breakthrough designation. This meant Rubin and his team could work closely with the FDA to really quickly generate the data so that our first in-human study became a 1,200 patient trial. There had never been a phase one like that before. That study provided the basis for accelerated approvals in melanoma and lung cancer, plus the first companion diagnostic in the field, the PD-L1 protein assay, developed in conjunction with Agilent. Since that very motivating and inspirational study, Keytruder has bagged approvals in 16 types of cancer or more than 30 different indications, with over a million patients treated, he noted. Rubin said, Cancer is a formidable enemy, and although there can be setbacks, we remain steadfast in our approach to find better treatments. Keytruder doesn't cure everybody, so we have to use different approaches than simple monotherapy. Adding that we have more combinations than anybody, he highlighted the efforts of Merck's external collaborations group, which has almost 200 partnerships that span biotech and big pharma, and uses our understanding of pathways and what drives cancers to explore these combinations. Amgen has a pressing need to replace revenues from major drugs facing loss of exclusivity, but the firm remained patient in its pursuit of chemocentrics before agreeing the $3.7 billion buyout. Andrew McConaughey writes the two companies sealed the deal on 3rd August, but new US SEC filings show that Chemocentrics had first approached potential buyers as far back as 2020, with five companies expressing an interest. The documents illustrate the shifting dynamics of the biopharma M&A market, where sky-high biotech valuations deterred buyouts during 2021 although sector-wide deal-making has been slow to pick up this year, despite much diminished share prices. Chemocentrics' advisors, Goldman Sachs, found all interested parties were put off by what they considered a high market valuation in June 2020, which at that time was $3.8 billion. That price continued to rise, and by February 2021, it hit a peak of $4.72 billion. That saw buyout talks cool, while the San Carlos, California-based company continued to pursue approval of its lead candidate, Avacopan, a treatment for the rare condition antineutrophil cytoplasmic antibody-associated vasculitis, and despite some hurdles, Chemocentrics secured an FDA approval for the drug now known as Tavnios in October 2021. Analysts were generally satisfied with Amgen's purchase, despite the high premium paid, agreeing it could maximise Tavnios's potential as part of its inflammatory disease portfolio, which includes a fast-growing oral psoriasis drug, or Tesla. Beyond AAV, Tavnios could gain approval in further indications as well. Earlier Tavnios revenues were below the expectations of analysts, however, who will be watching closely to see if Amgen can quickly get the trajectory back on track. The acquisition represents the latest in a string of deals for Amgen, which is drawing closer to a major patent cliff for its big earner Embrel, which loses market exclusivity in the second half of the decade, with osteoporosis drugs Prolia and Exgiva also close to patent expiry. 
Finally, newly approved anti-PD-1 L1 therapies from Chinese biotechs made inroads into the increasingly overcrowded domestic immuno-oncology market during the first half of 2022. In the six months ended 30th June, four new entrants, developed by Akeso, Shanghai Henlius Biotech, Alphamab Oncology and 3D Medicines, and Gloria Biosciences and Wuxi Biologics, generated combined sales of roughly 700 million Chinese yuan, or 101 million US dollars, since they were greenlighted for sale from August 2021, according to calculations by Scrip based on first-half company financial reports. As of the end of June, the newly approved IO drugs increased the total number of homegrown anti-PD-1 L1 antibodies in China to nine, making the domestic immunotherapy market even more packed. Akeso's PD-1 targeting penpulimab and Alphamab 3D's PD-L1 checkpoint inhibitor Envafolimab led the IO pack, with each grabbing close to 300 million Chinese yuan in sales. Notably, each of the above agents is currently approved for only one indication. A Henius executive has sounded an unusually upbeat note about Surplulimab's future sales potential in China, despite its relatively late approval in March and the fierce domestic competition in the sector. Henius is on track to expand the label of its product to include more indications such as gastrointestinal tumours and lung cancer. Kurt Yu, who's chief commercial officer, told Scrip in a recent media briefing. It will help this product join the top ranks in the IO market in China, he predicted. Meanwhile, the newer IO players also ran into a formidable defence put up by the current market leaders in the Chinese space. Major firms such as Beijing and Innovent have built up wider patient access with less hefty price tags due to the inclusion of some of their products in China's national medical insurance programme. However, the market leaders' business performances were mixed in the first half. For Beijing, for example, domestic sales of its anti-PD-1 antibody Tislelizumab jumped by 56% year-over-year to $192 million during the period. But the strong growth stood in stark contrast to a 33% slash in the drug's price from the post-March 2021 level, following broader national medical insurance coverage granted since 1st January this year. In event, a major rival to Beijing in the IO sector, saw sales of its same-class therapy Sintilimab fall by 26% year-over-year to $159 million during the six-month period. Article author Dexter Yan noted. That's all for this week. Thanks for listening. And a reminder that these stories in full are linked in the article accompanying this podcast. Log in to Scrip to access all of our much more extensive content or sign up for a free trial to see what you're missing. Bye for now.